0: The weather outside may be frightful, but since your animals are probably spending more time indoors, the stank and bacteria in your barn or coop are far from delightful. But First Saturday Lime can come to the rescue. It'll help absorb
1: ammonia, aid in deodorizing the enclosure, control bacteria and moisture along with mold, and can be used on any surface, including any bedding dirt concrete stone you name it
0: and for a very limited time you can use our coupon code hashtag drink to get 20 percent off and free shipping so go over to firstsaturdaylime.com and use code hashtag drink today and save and you can use that code every time you lime oh. hey sam
1: hey bev that sounded nice
0: <laughs> we're starting off with a bang every episode <laughs> yes we are <laughs> What did you just open over there? So I am pouring myself a Great Lakes Christmas Ale. Oh, that
1: sounds fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was debating saving it for the one that we would release right before Christmas. But I don't know. I was looking at it today and I thought, I want to drink one of those right now.
1: That's fair. So what does it taste like?
0: Well, it's an ale that's brewed with spices and honey. Um but my favorite way to drink it is with the glass dipped in cinnamon and sugar so that there's cinnamon and sugar stuck to the rim. Kind Ooh. of like a sweet Christmas beer margarita type of thing.
1: Look at you all fancy over there.
0: <laughs> I know. Um but you know, I didn't dip mine in uh cinnamon and sugar today because I'm drinking it out of one of our new fancy camping cups. Ooh. Yeah. I got both of them. So today it's the Drinkin' Farm Give Zero Clucks mug. So oh, nice. Yeah.
1: I love that design. It's super cute.
0: So what are you drinking over
1: there? So I have a beer from the Grand Armory Brewing, um, because we have the right to bear craft, is what it says. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a brewery in Grand Haven, Michigan, so second week in a row. Shout out, Grand Haven, woo. Um, but it is a white chocolate blonde. And it's a light, crisp, refreshing blonde with a hint of creamy chocolate sweetness, which is true. And it's pretty delicious. Mm. Um, It's a nice like dessert kind of holiday feeling um, without it being a stout. Since I did a stout the last time we recorded, I wanted to shake it up a little bit.
0: Yeah. So we're both still feeling pretty festive. Yes. Yes, yes. Continuing the festive theme. I'm going to have to get this one again. It's pretty good. Mm, and I'm going to have to go find it because it sounds really good. Yes. I love white chocolate. It's my mm. jam. Our drinks this episode are sponsored by Montana Coombs. So cheers, lady. Cheers. Thanks for sponsoring our drinks.
1: Yeah. You guys can find her on Instagram at ThimbleWorks. She has a little shop and sells um, hen or uh, what do you call those? The aprons, saddles, chicken saddles. saddles. Yeah, yeah. Those. And she's got... a Cute line of shirts and hoodies and all that fun stuff. So definitely go check it out.
0: Oh yeah, and some of my favorite stuff that I've been ordering from her lately is the um, pillow covers. She has like fun farmy <gasps> pillow what? covers, which I are need to check those a great out. Time. Yeah, and our tea advent calendar was made by her as well. Oh, fun! I know. Yeah. So her website is Thimbleworks.co. And we also have a special code that you can use. It's drink and farm, and you get ten percent off at ThimbleWorks every time you shop there. So,
1: so yeah, thank you, Montana. You're the bomb. Dot com.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And welcome to We Drink and We
0: Farm Things. Woo! Yay! That's
1: Bev over there,
0: and that's Sam over there. <laughs> Up, over. Up there. Up. There. Yeah. <laughs> in case you didn't know,
1: <laughs> Sam's in Michigan. That's in Ohio, so that's why that's supposed to be funny. But ah,
0: uh, yes, yep, that is exactly why.
1: It's probably not funny if I have to explain it, but you know.
0: Well, sometimes we've just got to explain things, and then as more people have heard it the first time, then when we do it next time, they can just laugh. That's and we true. We don't have to explain it. That's right? true. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, that sounds right. Um, but yeah, this is a podcast where we drink and talk about farming things and make a shit ton of mistakes and tell you all about them.
0: Oh, yeah. So in case you didn't know this, Sam and I are not experts in anything. We're just new people to this whole like hobby farming, homesteading, backyard, chicken keeping and goat wrangling and duck chasing. And (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What else do we do, Sam?
1: (laughs) Uh, Try to keep bunnies from reproducing.
0: Uh, Yeah, I do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh yeah so that's what we do
1: (laughs) we're not experts we don't claim to be so if you're expecting expert level advice we just try to do research and give you the best advice that we have at the moment that we share it so we'll just leave it at that but sometimes we like to go off on tangents clearly um if you really like tangents you can go over to patreon
0: And listen to our BS session for free. Yes, the BS session is posted on Patreon the day after we record it, which is usually on a Sunday. So that means every Monday about you can expect a new BS session unless we didn't have time to record one that week. Um, And we talk about all sorts of things that don't necessarily relate to farming. Sometimes there's a little farming in there. But it's just Sam and I chatting about fun, interesting, weird, annoying funky things that we found on the internet or experienced that week because we're people yes
1: like this week when PETA brought a lot of people together yes on the internet with their silliness so if you want to hear more about that go to drink is it is it patreon.com slash drink and farm
0: that is correct patreon.com slash drink and farm
1: But you can also support us over there. Um, We have bonus content up there. So if you pay the $2 a month, you can get bonus clips of stuff that Bev had to cut because it was silly, off-topic, or just plain weird. So we like to give that to our Patreon supporters. And then anybody that is $5 and above might get a little gifty occasionally. So we'll just throw that out there if you're interested.
0: Yeah. And uh, don't forget to take our survey. I always have a link to that in the show notes so that you can take it. It is a way for you to give us some anonymous feedback. And it also gives advertisers an idea of who you are and what you're interested in so that they can match advertisers to our podcast to make them more relevant.
1: Also, don't forget to join our
0: Facebook group, we got a couple more
1: people this week. Very exciting. Don't be shy. Find the thread where you can uh, um, introduce yourself to the group um, because we like to know who you are, but it's okay if you just want to lurk. That's fine. I do that in groups all the time.
0: Yeah, lurkers are totally allowed, um, but we get a lot of great feedback from our Facebook group, and I don't want to jump ahead, so I'll just leave it at that for now, um, and also you guys can like suggest topics for us or just chat with us. We're really active in there. And we do help when there's an issue or like to try to answer the question or point people in the right direction. So it's not just like a place for you guys to hang out. We're in there as well, hanging out. So if you like hanging out with us, that's the place to do it.
1: Go ahead and review us in all the places. I think I saw somebody ask if there was somewhere other than Apple Podcasts where they could review us. And the answer is yes. You can review our Facebook page. You can review us on wherever you listen to us, if it's Spotify or Stitcher or wherever. Um, I default to Apple Podcasts because I'm a snot and have Apple products and forget that there are other things in the world sometimes. So yes, review us in any place that is possible.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and if you do want to review us on iTunes but you're not an Apple user, you can download iTunes to your regular old PC and open it up and review and subscribe there. Um, But you don't have to do that. You can review us in the other places if you're not interested in downloading iTunes. So there's that. But I think iTunes is the only place where you can review us on iTunes because there's not like a website for iTunes. It's an app.
1: Right. Right. And the more reviews we have, the more visible we are, which means more advertisers, which means more chances to do cool stuff for you guys and with you guys. So you can think of it that way, too.
0: And um, more advertisers and more uh, exposure also gives us the opportunity to create more content. So, yes, there is that too. And we also sell merch. Don't forget to buy shit that Sam makes. Sam makes some sweet shit. Yes, and it's not it. shit. I don't know why I keep putting that in the show notes as shit. I, it's just it just great sounds stuff. fun. It go, does sound fun. Go buy
1: the good shit Sam makes. <laughs> there and- we go. And then we also have a second merch shop so Sam doesn't have to make all the good shit. So if you go to drinkandfarmmerch.com, there are hoodies, shirts, camping cups. And um, during the BS recording, we came up with a sweet new design within like the last two minutes of that session. So if you listen to the BS, you get like a little preview of that. It might be done by the time we launch this episode,
0: it might not. But yeah, I mean, it totally might be.
1: Yeah. If it's not, you can go listen to the BS to get a little sneak peek (laughs) of our brilliance.
0: (laughs) Sometimes we're brilliant. Sometimes we're not so brilliant. Right. And speaking of being not so brilliant, (laughs) we have some corrections this week. (laughs) (laughs) We totally forgot to shout out Jessica Hawkins last week for sponsoring our drinks. That is a perk that you get when you support us on the Patreon at that level. And so we felt super terrible after we were done recording and realized we forgot to do it. And if you don't know how podcasts work, you can't like just record stuff later and drop it in because it just sounds different. That's yeah. the way that it is. So yeah. once it was too late, like it was too late. We couldn't put it in. So all we can do is apologize and tell you that we super appreciate you sponsoring us. And we hope that you'll forgive us, and we hope that please. anybody else is a sponsor of that. If we forget you, please, please, please forgive us when it happens. It doesn't happen yeah. very often, though. No,
1: I think this might be the first time,
0: maybe? I think so. I mean, I can't totally guarantee that. This is episode 40. I know, we're so, so old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're 12 weeks away from being a year.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, it is. So forty weeks have passed, and we have twelve more to go. So I, I believe this is the first time, but yes, maybe it might be the second time. But that's all right. So that means that we it's don't okay. do it super often. We're
1: human. <laughs> We're human, and I'm pretty sure we acknowledge that in every single episode that we are not perfect. But to reiterate, we are human. We are not perfect. So
0: yes, that is correct. And um, another correction that I have to make is that the Coopcast is totally a podcast. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, and it's funny as soon as larry said that i thought to myself yeah i feel like i had seen the coopcast before but it's not in my apple podcasts anymore like i i I don't use apple but i get all of my stream from itunes and i feel like i had been a subscriber at one time and maybe that's where i got the idea that coopcast was a cool name Um, but when i did the google i did not find the coopcast so i thought that it didn't exist but it does
1: yeah and sam only looked at apple podcast and failed to find it but she also didn't look really hard so yeah i'm just as guilty because i was like yeah it's not a thing somebody (laughs) steal the idea (laughs)
0: um and they're not a currently active podcast but they do have a pretty big catalog of back episodes you can go listen to that um and they are talking about starting back up and there was some excitement about them starting back up. So it must be a really good podcast. I am hoping that eventually I can figure out how to find it and listen to it. Because I tried to find it again and I still couldn't. So maybe that's just my issue. And someone else can link to it for me.
1: Yeah. If you know where it's at, just email us drinkandfarm at com So we can be enlightened about how to find this thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then next week as follow up, we'll tell you guys how to find it. <laughs> yeah. If we can't find it, I'm feel like only like regular listeners to it before it ended can find it so I don't know I don't know what the deal is
1: yeah but we like supporting other farm part podcasts so it'd be super great to know where we can find it so we can give it a listen
0: yes for sure and we have some follow-up
1: we are just full of extra things this week it's so exciting because I like that this Larry dude in our group first of all, corrected us about CoopCast. And then he pointed out a really interesting point about our talk about venison last week.
0: Yeah, totally. Like, I had called venison organic grass-fed meat. um, But Larry pointed out, and Ronica followed up with it as well, that it's really, like, not technically organic if their diet consists of field corn and soybeans that are very likely GMO.
1: Yeah, it it's funny too because as soon as I saw that in the group, I googled is venison considered organic, and it's like no, (laughs) and I'm like oh,
0: (laughs) I'm glad that you googled that. I didn't think to google it. So like that, I got that line from a neighbor. A neighbor had said that he's like like what is a better source of like free range, grass fed protein than hunting venison? Because you know like you don't have to take care of it. You don't have to do anything. Like the only thing you have to do is go out, hang out in nature, and enjoy yourself, and then, you know, do your hunting. And I thought to myself, yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, what a great way to put that. Um, but no, my um, brain did not put together the whole eating corn and soybeans and stuff.
1: And it sounded like such a good idea that I just agreed with it, and it sounded legit until you know larry and ronica pointed it out and then i did a quick google search and then i was like oh my god it makes so much sense now
0: (laughs) so please know that we do correct ourselves when we realize later that something we said sounded like a little daft or dumb or wrong
1: (laughs) right i mean in theory depending on where you're at and how far the deer go it could be Less or more likely that they're dieting on, you know, field corn or soybeans that are genetically modified. So we're not thinking of things constantly like through the USDA organic lens, right? Yeah. Just like the packaging and all that stuff. No, we just kind of by default thought. Well, it makes sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I was kind of thinking, I was comparing it to, like, you know, raising pastured rabbits or pastured chicken, where you're supplementing with feed, and, like, if you're not using organic feed, you're using just, like, conventional feed, then I was thinking of it kind of like that, I guess, but I put the organic label on it and realized that that probably wasn't really a great one. I probably should have just, like, labeled it natural, (laughs) but... But, yeah, we all know what that label is. it's yeah, it doesn't really mean anything,
1: no, it doesn't, you know, um, yeah. Cocaine is natural, <laughs> so
0: I mean, just because it's natural
1: doesn't mean it's good for you. So. Is it? I feel
0: like someone's going to correct us on that next week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe we should do a quick Google search. Is cocaine natural? <laughs> it's naturally derived.
0: <laughs> okay, there we go. Naturally, we could derived. say marijuana. There you go. Oh, marijuana there we go. It's natural. Yeah, I mean, and there totally is like organic marijuana available out there. Yeah, there, there you so, go yeah
1: <laughs> maybe maybe the deer are eating the gmo version <laughs> and they're really chilled out but it's not organic
0: <laughs> don't worry monsanto is going to make up a gmo weed plant and oh I can i'm sure it in I'm my sure. bones um but i guess the bottom line is that deer are living creatures that can move where they want and eat what they please so i can't really use the word organic
1: <laughs> yeah lessons learned Yes. So I have another bit of follow-up that I thought was worth bringing up. A few weeks ago, we talked about a donkey and an emu. So I wanted to play Where Are They Now? The Jack and Diane edition. So I don't know if you guys remember from a few weeks ago, the internet exploded about this donkey and emu that were like in love with each other, and they were a bonded pair, and they had to be adopted together. And I guess the internet blew up and everybody wanted them. So we heard that somebody adopted him, but initially it didn't say who. But this week I found out that uh, Jack and Diane are now living with Jeffrey Dean Morgan of The Walking Dead. And I guess that character's name is Negan. I didn't get that far in The Walking Dead, but I mostly adore him from, you know, Grey's Anatomy. So he's been in some other things, too. But those are the two things that stick out in my mind.
0: (laughs) Well, that's really exciting that we got to find out where they actually went because I was curious. Yeah. Like I assumed that they had to have gone to a famous person if Brad from Coop Dreams didn't get him because I was thinking to myself, who's a more famous farmer than Brad from <laughs> Coop Dreams? He's gonna hate that.
1: <laughs> who's a bigger deal than Brad from Coop Dreams? Um, yeah, apparently I mean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is just like just a slight step above,
0: just a just slight, a little, just barely a scotch, barely yeah, a scotch, barely, yes. a scotch above.
1: Um, I didn't even know Jeffrey Dean Morgan had, first of all, three names. Um, those are all first names, which means he might be a serial killer. Oh, for um, sure. But I didn't even know he had, like, a farm. But that's so cool. Like, their their parents, or their their daddy, or their owner, is rich. So good for Jack and Diane.
0: <laughs> Does he have a farm, or did he build one just for Jack and Diane?
1: I mean, that just would reiterate my point of their daddy being rich.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even read the article. We'll have to go back to that later. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I skimmed it. But we can throw that article in the show notes so you guys can Google it to see.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) But I thought that would be worth tying up that loose end because that's super cute.
0: It is. Well, the whole Jack and Diane thing was super cute. It was happy. It was feel good. Like, I, I think sometimes like in this little like world bubble that we're in of the stuff that Sam and I get to talk about and what we get to sort of inform you guys about, most of it ends up being kind of bad news, like, you know, like the Rotten yeah. Series or like food recalls. And this Jack and Diane thing was was just really happy yeah. and warm. Cute. And we don't get that a yeah. lot. Yeah,
1: And it's something that everybody can agree is adorable. And if you don't think it's adorable, uh, I have a problem with you, but... <laughs> But it's fine. Not everybody wants an emu and a donkey. But it it would be pretty spectacular to me. So, Hey, Bev. I feel like we need to talk about the difference between mealworms and our favorite flock treat, grublies.
0: Oh, totally. While mealworms seem to be a default when it comes to bribing your chickens with snacks, it's important to stop and think about what you're feeding them.
1: Right. So mealworms and black soldier fly grubs, which are what grublies are, are two different insects with different benefits, and your choice between the two of these snacks matters when it comes to their health and safety.
0: Yeah, nearly all mealworms on the market are grown in China, where food safety isn't regulated like it is here in the States. If the label on the bag doesn't clearly say where they came from, it's probably China.
1: Grublies are black soldier flag grubs that are farm-grown and oven-dried in the USA to ensure the quality and safety of the product. And you're supporting a small business
0: black soldier fried grubs also have 50 times more calcium than mealworms eggshells contain about 95 percent calcium so the calcium requirement for laying hens is very high a daily handful of grublies provides 50 times more calcium than mealworms does
1: and grublies have a unique three to one calcium to phosphorus ratio why should we care about that because without the right ratio All the good nutrients you feed your hens won't be absorbed, so they'll pass right through them like Tuesday's tacos on a Wednesday.
0: (laughs) And great news, (laughs) black soldier fly grubs were just approved by the FDA for feed.
1: Woohoo! So get your flock switched to the healthier protein snack, Grublies, and save 15% using code FARM15. Go to grublies.com and order your grubs today and make sure you use FARM15 at
0: checkout. So we have a really fun farm topic this week that I think a lot of people will get some use out of.
1: Yes, I think it's a question that comes up quite a bit, and I think this is a timely time to talk about it because a lot of people are starting to think about the chicks they'll be getting in the spring, because a lot of times if you're going to order them online, you have to order in January, otherwise you're not going to get the ones you want at the time you want. So I think this is a really good time to talk about it
0: yeah because when you order new chicks like the n- number one thing that you're gonna have to worry about besides just like taking care of them and keeping them alive is how the heck do you introduce them to your existing flock because mm-hmm,
1: things can get nasty real fast if you're not doing it the correct way
0: oh yeah i mean we've totally talked about how chickens are cannibalistic mm-hmm. and if you've never integrated a flock you might not believe us on that yet but i promise you it's totally <laughs> true and if you integrate a flock without giving them, like, the proper time to get to know each other, you'll see it. And it'll be really sad. Yeah. So we're going to try to prevent that. <laughs> I just laughed. And I shouldn't have. See, we use laughter as, like, our Defense mechanism. coping mechanism. Yeah. When we're
1: uncomfortable, we laugh. So if Bev and Sam ever have to go to a funeral together, look out.
0: <sighs> we're going to be there giggling. And it's going to be terrible. <laughs>
1: Tangents!
0: <laughs> I finally introduced the Barneveldo chickens, um, which are the chickens that I lovingly refer to as my Murderino chickens, mm-hmm. uh, to our existing flock. And it's done! Yay! <laughs> uh, yeah, it was something that I... Wasn't really looking forward to. I knew I needed to do it, though, because I had them in like a really giant, like an extra, extra, extra large, long, wide crate inside a barn stall. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had enough room. But still, cleaning that thing was a giant pain. Yeah. And you have to keep animals in clean living conditions, because like, that's the number one way to make them sick, is not clean their stuff enough. Right. I mean, nobody wants to live in their poop and pee, even animals. Touche. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> So, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is really difficult. I keep having to clean this thing out. Like, I need to get these things integrated. And so, we had been doing a couple of things. Like, my husband had this really genius idea to pull the chicken tractor that we use for the meat chickens, we pulled it up against the run. So, we had the Barnevelder chickens or the Murderino chickens inside the tractor and our existing flock inside their run so they could kind of see each other. And we had been doing that for several weeks. We just weren't doing it every day because it keeps snowing and then raining and uh, then snowing and then raining yeah. and then freezing and then being muddy. And like, you also can't keep chickens in a nasty, muddy, tiny, confined thing either. Right. Because it's not nice. Mm-mm. So we're like, all right, we got to get this over with. So I did a little Google. Google Google. <laughs> why is that word so hard to say? <laughs> Searching. And I found an article from High Sierra Permaculture Holistic Homestead. And they said that they basically introduced their new pullets to their existing flock in just one afternoon with no issues. Um, I was a little nervous about that, so I obviously had to modify that to like fit my tolerance level. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you how I did it. All right, so on day one, it was a Sunday. Um, at 6 p.m., I moved the Murderino chickens into a dog crate that I had put inside the big coop. Mm-hmm. The space in the dog crate kind of made this less than ideal, but brains being pecked out aren't ideal either. So I had to work with what I had and I'm going to recommend to everybody that that that's what you do. You always have to work like within the bounds of, of what your constraints are and just do the best you can and not feel like a shithead over it. Cause that's just, that's the way farming goes sometimes.
1: Right. And that's not the whole like brains being pecked out thing is no joke because, um, We have a rooster. His name is Mr. Cluck Norris. He came to us um, because I had given chicks to a friend that lives in the city. And they can't have roosters. And I thought I gave her two hens, but one was a rooster. So I swapped them out. While she was trying to integrate them with her existing small flock, all of the girls ganged up on him and basically scalped him. Like, it was bleeding. It was bad. When I got him, it looked like he... It was like balding on the top of his head oh. it was it healed up very nicely and now he has all of his feathers back and it's like it never happened but that the you know I know in your situation you don't have a rooster now in your main flock so that very same thing could have happened like all the girls could have been like oh hell no we don't want no roo up in here and did the same thing.
0: (laughs) He's been the one that they've had the most trouble with since they're totally integrated. So yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit later down in the episode, within the cavern of the episode. But yeah, so inside the crate, uh, I put food and water because chickens always need access to food and water. I never recommend that you separate them from those two things, whether you have to put them in a tiny dish or whatnot. You wanna make sure they always have food and water when they need them. And they slept in the crate all night. And because I have Christmas lights on and a timer in the coop, um, things start kind of moving and shaking in there around 5 a.m. But the door doesn't really get opened until 7 a.m. when it's the light starts to come up uh, outside. So the big ladies had a few hours to get acquainted with them. I was hoping that that would sort of get them working on being a little nicer to them, mm-hmm. but we'll move on and I'll tell you what really ended up happening. <laughs> So um, at 8 a.m. after the big ladies had had time to eat and drink and lay any eggs that they were going to give me, um, I kicked the existing flock out of the coop and the run and I closed it and locked it up so they couldn't get back in. And this was a little bit of a risky move um, because the only place that they had to hide was the barn porch or the bushes if a predator came around. But like, you know, like knock on wood, I don't have, I have to like find real wood to walk knock on because that's what I do. <laughs> I don't have a lot of predatory issues here. Like we run into them every now and then, but I don't know, something about where we're at, we don't run into them too often. So I was just crossing my fingers that this was going to be a good day, that we weren't going to have a big problem with it. And I was right. We didn't have any issues, Um, but the reason why I did that was because I wanted to give the new chickens a chance to roam the coop and run unmolested by the big ladies so that they could figure out, like, this is home, this is where I eat, this is where I drink, this is where all the stuff is at, and get acquainted with it. Um, Because I think that's really important. They need to know where all the hidey holes are, the corners, you know, where they can run from when they need a little break from everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's why I gave that to them. And in fact, that morning, I actually had a hen that refused to leave the coop. Um, (laughs) And I was like, well, okay, this is fine. They can get to know one hen and this will be good. Like, they'll already be acquainted with this one hen, they'll all be friends, and then when the big ladies come in, maybe it won't be such a big deal and I can get this over with today. Well, uh, that was not the way that it went. (laughs) They were eating together, it looked very peaceful, it was so nice, it was so kumbaya, I actually like took a little photo and video of it. Um, And I was like, all right, I'm gonna go, this is looking good. Well, suddenly the hen from my existing flock looked up, looked at the three chickens and was like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) you're not my flock mates and she went like total ape shit on them Oh no! like she tried to massacre the three of them and they were like running and cowering and hiding and she you know did like her you know how they do their dinosaur thing where they like arch their neck up their feathers stick up their wings get out and they like jump on them that's exactly what she was doing so I had to like get her she's freaking out and I kick her out of the coop and I'm like all right that didn't go so well (laughs) i'm gonna have to rethink this <laughs> yes yes <sighs> so <laughs> um the advice in the blog post uh from high sierra permaculture which there will be a link to it in the show notes um recommended that you let the existing flock back in the coop about an hour before dark so that there's some commingling before bed but after the warm introduction that they received from that one flock member i decided that that was a bad idea so an hour before dark, I put the murderino chickens back in their crate and closed the door because they had food and water and it was comfortable enough for them. And I let the existing flock back in so that they had a little time to get used to them again before they roosted. And they slept in their crate. I decided not to put them on the roost bars because I was afraid I was going to wake up to a blood the next morning yeah. for obvious reasons. I don't blame so. you. <laughs> <laughs> on day three, uh, which was Tuesday, We repeated Monday, which was day two. I had the good intentions to combine them in the evening and do that thing that they recommended of just giving them an hour and then letting them go to bed. But my nervousness got the best of me, and I decided to crate them again an hour before bed and let the ladies back in. I had mulled over putting them on the roost after dark because a lot of people recommended that. Um, But I totally forgot because I know that I do this hobby farming homesteading thing but i have a lot of stuff going on too so it just like totally slipped my mind so another night went by and they slept in their crate they were fine though they didn't seem to mind Mm -hmm. it and then on wednesday which was day four it was snowing No. and my original flock refused to leave the coop of course (laughs) and i was like well shit what am i supposed to do now I obviously can't leave the murderino chickens locked in a dog crate all day. Like that's, there was not enough space for that. I didn't want to undo everything and put them back in their barn stall. So I was like, well, let's let them out and I'll just sit in here and watch and kind of see what happens. There were a couple of small squabbles, uh, but nothing serious happened. I hung out in there for about an hour, which is probably a little longer than most people hang out in a chicken coop. Depends on who you talk to. (laughs) Wait until you come over and see my chicken coop. It's not super big, (laughs) it's like the size of a little garden shed. And I was just like standing there with my coffee. I'm like, all right, chickens. See what you do. (laughs) And I mean, obviously, there was some pecking order shakeup going on. It was really fun to watch, though. So I can't remember if I've talked about this much, but I have a chicken that's obviously on like the bottom of the pecking order. Mm -hmm. When I post photos of the chickens roosting, you can see her, obviously, because she's like on a rung underneath everybody else. Oh, yeah. She always gets picked on. Her feathers always look the worst. She's finally grown back her feathers from her molting, so she looks all pretty again. But she was looking pretty rough for a little while. She's the last to get treats. She doesn't get treated very well by the other ladies. I've tried to intervene and I haven't had any luck. Well, she figured out that she could be above the murderino chickens in the pecking order. And the first time she like walked up to them and did that, you know, pecking thing where they're like, hey, I'm the dominant one. Yeah. Like, let's see what you do back. She like did it and then backed up and cowered. Oh. (laughs) And then when she saw the murderino chickens continue to cower, she's like, oh, wait. I'm the more dominant one. So she just kind of kept doing that to them, but she wasn't actually hurting them. Like while they were right doing their pecking dominance thing, I think their beaks made contact a couple of times, but nobody drew any blood. It wasn't super dramatic. So I was like, all right, I have to let them sort this out on their own. But it was really right. It was kind of fun to watch her do that because I was like, oh, she's gonna get a chance to like really become accepted as part of the flock. Yes. Since this happened, she's been eating treats with everybody else without getting pecked at. And she's not getting chased away from everybody else. Like She's actually hanging out with the flock. So if you're having issues with one person or one hen really being left out, integrating a new flock, I guess, is a good way to...
1: (laughs) It really is, though. I've noticed that, too. It's whenever we integrate new chickens in it's always the one at the back at the bottom of the pecking order that freaks out and tends to have that same behavior i guess freak out wouldn't be the correct word maybe takes a hold <laughs> takes the thorns by the rose or the rose by the thorns, <laughs> takes, the rose by the thorns. <laughs> takes the bull by the horns and like <laughs> takes that opportunity and seizes it to not be on the bottom of the pecking order so uh, that's definitely a thing and it's so it is really interesting to watch because usually the head of the pecking order in my flack she could care less she's like eh, whatever you can stay i guess
0: yeah and i was fully expecting her to like maul them but she just like walked up and looked at them and was like yeah they're no threat to me and walked away <laughs> <laughs> so like chicken behavior is really fascinating i feel like we've said mm-hmm. that before but when you get to integrate a flock, I feel like that's where you really get to see all of the weird nuances with the pecking order that you don't normally get to observe.
1: That it's like high school and there's cliques, basically. <laughs> Pretty much.
0: <laughs> but um, after watching that and seeing that it wasn't such a big deal, I went ahead and left them alone. I went out and checked on them three times throughout the day, expecting to find you know a newly injured murderino chicken, but that mm-hmm. never happened. I brought treats with me every time so that the murderino chickens could watch the existing flock run towards me for treats. And I made sure that I put some out so that they could have some too, because I knew the existing flock wasn't going to share. And everybody seemed to be doing okay. I mean, they weren't, you know, it wasn't kumbaya yet, but it was fine. Nobody was being hurt. Right. So I left them alone. Um, It was funny, though. When I went to check on them at bedtime, the murderino chickens put themselves to bed in their crate, (laughs) even though the door wasn't on it. (laughs) So I was like, oh, guys, you guys belong on the roost. But they're so scared of me because they're still in that kind of teenage phase. Yeah. That I didn't want to, like, disturb everybody by picking them up and trying to physically make them roost because there would have been, like, a giant squabble. Um, So I left them alone. And it's now day eight, and they're still doing fine but um they really don't seem like they're part of the flock quite yet the three of them are hanging out by themselves and the existing ladies you know are still doing their thing um but i've been letting the existing flock out to free range and keeping the murderino chickens in the coop and the run when i do that because i want to make sure that they understand that that's home i'm still kind of afraid that at this point if i let them free range they won't follow the flock back in and go to bed Right. I'll find them somewhere else, or they'll wander into the woods and not come back.
1: <laughs> You'd be surprised, though, that you can leave the doors open and stuff, and they probably won't wander out. And if they do, it won't be very far.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that that's the case. And in fact, since I have tomorrow off, I think I'm going to spend some time outside doing some things like in my garden beds, and I'll do that mm-hmm. so I can kind of keep an eye on them. Um, but those suckers run. I can't catch them.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had our our last smaller flock that we had I after they would just stay roosting or perched up often because they were just they were scared I would have to grab them and physically take them outside and put them down to teach them how to go outside because they wouldn't
0: oh I mean these guys are at least going out into the run because that's where the water is so if they want water they have to leave the coop (laughs) yeah
1: yeah yeah so you might be surprised but it's, it's unpredictable so it probably wouldn't be a bad thing to like post up out there for a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll at least give them the opportunity and see what they do. They're still not roosting. They were still putting themselves to bed in their dog crate. So I finally Aww. took that away this morning, so they don't have it anymore.
1: <laughs> They're going to be so lost and confused.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I also I did something to our roost today, too. I pulled it out from the wall so that it was less of a ladder. And like the rungs weren't so high.
1: Okay. so
0: that I was hoping that maybe that would help the chickens on the bottom rung to stop being pooped on because, you know, it's like more (laughs) at an outward angle so that their vents aren't right above everybody. But maybe the murderino chickens would be brave enough to at least hop up on the bottom one. Um, But I remember my first flock when I put them in the coop the first time. It was a while before they figured out how the roost bars worked and how to roost.
1: Yeah, but it might help that they see the other chickens doing it.
0: Oh, yeah. And and I'm hoping somebody will step up and kind of take them under their wing. That hasn't happened yet. (laughs) (laughs) Was there a pun intended there? Yes, because that's what we do. We do fun chicken puns. But, I mean, you've integrated tons of chickens. So how do you normally do it? I probably should have just um, called you and asked you for advice, but I wanted to experiment.
1: <laughs> it, it We actually do something really similar. Um, we have a huge chicken tractor within Clu- Cluckingham Palace because it's just a big building. I think it's, like, 12 by 12 or maybe 10 by 10. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's, like, as big as a barn stall that I have in my barn.
1: Ooh. Yeah, so it's big and... The chicken tractor is like a two-story deal. Um, So we have 16 chickens in there right now. And we've kept the doors open for a while. And it's mostly going okay. You really... If you have a lot of chickens when you're trying to integrate, I should say a lot of new chickens, you really got to keep an eye on all of them because somebody's going to be in the bottom of the pecking order. And they tend... The bigger chickens will tend to you know, chase them off from the food and the water. Um we also have the unfortunate experience of having a lot of roosters. So the roosters like to go after the pretty young things pretty quickly. Yeah. And that depending on their size and their uh, their and their breed and how old they are, that can be really bad.
0: Um I remember reading a blog post from somebody where their entire set of pullets was raped to death by their rooster.
1: Yeah, I had a little Millie Fleur in that flock of sick. It was 18. Oh. One died of I don't know what, but that was before we integrated. The other, I think she was near the bottom, so she wasn't eating, and I think she was getting bread. Yeah. Um, She was technically old enough, but I think because it was a combination of just bullying and that, she did okay in the house for a couple days, but then she ended up um, dying in my arms. So, hmm. yeah. So, I don't know exactly what it was. If it, I, My hunch is it was a combination of things. Um, but you really got to keep an eye on them. And even if you do keep an eye on them like I do, shit still happens. So, when you integrate a flock, more than likely it'll go fine. That's the first time I've lost one. From integrating, And we've integrated probably, I don't even know how many chickens. Because I keep saying I have like 70, but I know it's probably more than that.
0: Now um, it's like 100. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we've integrated a lot of chickens. Um, so it, it's, you know, when you have higher numbers like that, sometimes shit just happens. But most of the time, um, it goes pretty well using the method that you described. That's basically what we do too. Um, It is better to introduce them at night if you have to do something quick based on the size of your coop. Maybe you don't have room to have some kind of enclosure within your chicken coop at all. Maybe it's one of those smaller tractor supply ones. Your best bet is probably putting them in at night when everybody's sleeping is what I've heard. I haven't tried that that way, but I've heard that that works.
0: Yeah, and in fact that was what I had intended to do, but I just ultimately got really nervous cuz I feel like I remembered you telling me about the rooster, they got pecked by the hens cuz they were like, "Oh, hell no. This is a lady. This is ladies club." Yeah, <laughs> and Steven no Morris man. is a Yeah. <laughs> and he has a limp, like a very serious limp. So oh, yeah. I was like, I don't want him to get pecked to death by the ladies when they figure out that he's weak. They haven't, they've been leaving him alone, but poor guy is still limping around. So now I have to start, now that I'm done integrating them, I try to only do one thing at a time because it gets really overwhelming when you try to tackle too many issues at once. Now that they're integrated, I'm going to start trying to figure out what's wrong with his leg. I I think he might just have like a pulled muscle that can't heal because he can't rest.
1: Right. That would make sense. So what you could do is separate him in a smaller crate, but then you'd have to reintegrate him again.
0: Well, and I was thinking of keeping him in a crate within the coop so that he wouldn't have to be reintegrated. Like just, you know, I mean, I know it's cold, but keep him with food and water like inside, you know, like one of those saddle things where he can't get out and walk. Mm -hmm. So he can still go to the bathroom. He can eat. He can drink. He can keep an eye on everybody else. He's not being separated, um, but his leg can heal. But I read a really good blog post and I'm going to give this a try first if you give them, like, a half of a baby aspirin and they start walking normal, then it is, like, a sprained muscle type of thing. Oh. Because they don't realize that there's anything wrong with it.
1: Okay. That's
0: what he said in this blog post. And I'll try to find that and link to that in the show notes, too, so that everybody else can kind of see what they think of that. And I'd love to see what you think of that also. Um, and so once they, and once he recognized that, like, the hen didn't limp anymore when she got the half a baby aspirin, he just... Uh, kept her resting gave her half a baby aspirin so that she didn't feel it for a little while and then when he let her go without baby aspirin after like a week she was walking normal and it was fine oh yeah interesting
1: yeah i had a chicken that had a limp for a while that was pretty bad and i think she like sprained it when she jumped down off the roost or something Mm. but i didn't know what to do so i just kind of kept an eye on her and then it went away
0: yeah, and that's, um, that's what I've been doing with him. But he's had a limp since he was a chick. So. Yeah,
1: it might be worth trying. I don't see any harm in trying that.
0: He was the one that had sprattle leg. So I'm yeah, sure that makes sense. It's some sort of I know I had told my husband I was like, maybe we just need to like pick him up by his feet and do like a little like maybe it's just out of place a little bit still. <sighs> And my husband's like, you're recommending we do chiropractic work on the chicken when we have no idea what's wrong with them? I'm like, I don't know what we're supposed to do.
1: Physical therapy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I'm doing lots of physical therapy over here. Like, people are popping all sorts of weird stuff on my body. So, like, maybe that'll work. (laughs) And he's like, no, I think that's a bad idea. He's like, don't pick the rooster up and shake him. I'm like, all right. Thanks, husband, for stopping (laughs) me from doing something silly. (laughs) Not all of my ideas are great.
1: I think all the, like, the only other thing you could do is take them to a vet that would do, like, an x-ray or something, and I don't know yeah, if that would be worth it to you or not, you know? I guess you could try it, like, in phases to see if a baby aspirin helps. If it's not helping and he seems like he's in pain, it might be more humane to call him.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I think part of that is going to depend on how he continues to respond, you know, Mm -hmm. like to the ladies and to me. Mm -hmm. If he's a good rooster, I think he's worth all of that.
1: Yeah. But I'm just telling you, though, once they hit about six months, eight months, Diablo, my favorite rooster of the well my favorite polish rooster i should say um booster rooster booster is my favorite oh yeah um, he's my he's, favorite too and i haven't met him <laughs> his hormones are kicking in and he's starting to flog people now Ugh. so he flogged me in the ass the other day ouch which is pretty impressive because i was standing up and i'm five seven so yeah Um, But he's been doing it to my husband, too. So I've been picking him up and carrying him around more. But around that eight, nine-month time period, they have crazy hormones. And then, again, in the spring, they can go a little nutso. So you might... Even if he is kind of an asshole, you might just have to work with him a little bit, too. But I've noticed that with all of them. Around eight, nine months, they get a little testy
0: <laughs> and he's only three months old so it's not wait august september october November. no he's almost four months old so yeah we're about so, halfway there
1: yeah but work with him a lot ahead of time and it's easier just to pick him up because diablo i can easily pick him up still
0: oh that's good even though he's flogging the shit out of everybody <laughs>
1: right and then he just remembers where he came from and where he could end up if he doesn't calm the f down <laughs>
0: yeah my chicken medic bag is a good thing to carry chickens around Ooh, in. Ooh, yeah. Mm, Henny and Roo shout out right there.
1: woo So I wanted to do a, a quick little shout out to my part duck, part turkey, part dinosaur Muscovy ducks, um, Chewy and BB-8. Yes, my ducks have a Star Wars theme. I love it. <laughs> um, we had a hawk visit recently, and the whole flock was out um and all the ducks were out and you know like i said we have quite a few roosters so i expect that the flock is protected pretty damn well but it was actually the Muscovies that chased the 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 hawk off they were like so ready to kick ass and they like flew up at the hawk to scare it away and then the hawk kind of landed by the mud puddles that wasn't too far away cuz i i wonder if he was like in shock or something he wasn't really big He's kind of a little guy. Um, So maybe this was his first time. I don't know. But the Muscovies were just freaking savages. And I was like, holy shit. Like, because the two of them, like, they come off a little rapey sometimes. (laughs) That's what ducks do. (laughs) I was like, maybe I shouldn't have both of them. But they totally won me over that day. And they earned their grublies because they saved the flock from somebody getting picked off. So, uh after that I did some googling of Muscovies because I didn't really do a lot of research before I got them. I just thought they were really unique. I thought it was really cool that they come in all kinds of colors and I heard that they're very quiet and friendly. So that's why I wanted to get some. But it turns out um and I will link a couple of things in the show notes for you guys to look at. Um It turns out that Muscovies are actually pretty good predator deterrents, and they're known to actually scare off larger mammals like raccoons and skunks and even in the rare occasion a coyote. I had no idea. Um, But a full-grown male can weigh up to 15 pounds.
0: Oh, that's super cool.
1: And they actually have a really large back claw, so you have to be careful when you're picking them up. Um, And they actually use that for perching. So mine like to perch on the edge of the pool.
0: Oh, yeah. I've seen them do that before. Which it's
1: super odd behavior for a duck.
0: Yeah, because most ducks don't do that. Their feet are so flat and webbed. Right. And I
1: think the reason for that is because all true ducks originate from the mallard, except for the muscovy. And I didn't know that ahead of time. Um, And then... I, you know, upon more research, obviously I knew they were pretty much quackless. They kind of do this hissing thing.
0: Yeah, that's so why I called them the serpent of the duck world. <laughs> <laughs> they're the slitherings yes. of the duck world. <laughs> they
1: are. um They hiss and they kind of do this weird thing with their neck and kind of like put their head feathers up a little bit if they're anxious or excited. um but they might be really good ducks for you to have if you live in the city and ducks are allowed, but you don't want to piss your neighbors off because they're super
0: quiet. Yeah.
1: But keep in mind, they do fly really well. Um, so if you don't have a lot of space, you might want to think about looking into clipping their wings and when the right age is to do that. But they're pretty badass. Um, mine are a little skeptical of me just because I think the other ducks, like my Pekin and my Rowan... In my Cayugas, I'm pretty sure they talked shit about me to the Muscovies and said, don't <laughs> trust her.
0: That lady is crazy. <laughs> yes. But I've heard people say
1: that they really um, think their Muscovies are the friendliest. So I'm definitely hmm. going to keep those in my little duck flock. Oh, but one more fun fact that I did not know until yesterday. If you breed a Muscovy with a non-Muscovy, the ducklings will be sterile and unable to produce offspring.
0: Oh, that's super fascinating. So Muscovies must be like the mule of the duck world. Like because Basically. they come from other, what's uh, what I'm sort of looking for? You know, like a different genus family from yes. like, a scientific tree standpoint. Because the other ducks are from the mallard.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's my assumption. I tried to do do a little more digging, but I couldn't find a ton. But I guess if you mix, like, a a mallard with a muscovy or a pecan with a muscovy, they can be pretty good, like, meat sources.
0: Oh. Hmm. Um,
1: So there's that. Uh, Muscovy is a very lean meat, too. There's not a lot of fat on them. So if you're looking for a good lean meat source, it's probably not cost effective because they do eat quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: But I guess, like, people think they're delicious. I don't intend on eating mine. But no judgment if you eat yours. So, yeah.
0: and I just realized I misspoke. I meant to say that the muscovies are the donkeys of the duck world because you so know, they're... like a donkey and a horse produce a mule, so their offspring is the mule.
1: Well, they can be like the snake mules of the world because <laughs> they do kind of sound like a snake a little bit. Yeah, I
0: probably just killed everybody's ears with my hissing. I won't do that. Oh, is that what they do? Yeah. Okay.
1: It's like a heavy breathing. Uh, and I just totally burped, but
0: sorry. Salmon bath People. make animal noises into the microphone. And burp. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so I just wanted to give them a special shout out. And we don't talk a lot about ducks on here. So I thought that was just inst- interesting once I started doing a little more digging. So if, you know, we mentioned that you might be planning for your spring chick orders, if you need to start planning for your ducks. Um, Ducks actually, or Muscovies actually don't ship well, so you probably won't be able to find ducklings for sale in a small quantity if you want Muscovies. You're better off trying to buy hatching eggs, um, which is like gambling because you never know how many are going to hatch in an incubator. Or just kind of looking around locally to see if anybody else has Muscovies and and is willing to Sell you those hatching eggs, or let Mama Muscovy hatch them because apparently they're really good moms and good incubators. <laughs> so. I have
0: heard that about them, and in fact, when I picked up my goats, they offered me a breeding pair of Muscovies just to take. Uh, and my husband was like, "No, we don't need ducks right now." But uh, I'm thinking but do. of telling him that I want a breeding pair of Muscovies, and I'll stop asking for a donkey. And then, like, three months later, I'll start asking for a donkey again anyways.
1: (laughs) I like that plan. That's how I kind of work things over here, too. Like, I've been eyeballing great Pyrenees puppies for a long time. Oh, yeah. But when we lost Benny, I started pushing for a kitten once I found out that people across the road had kittens and they would be free. And then I was like, it can be my Christmas present. <laughs>
0: but, you know, I'll be like pushing for a puppy again in like three months. So, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> especially when spring comes around and like all the babies are, are around. Yeah. And oh. I realize we haven't followed up on your barn cats in a while. Are they out and doing their thing in the barn? Oh, yes. So they've been roaming the barn for a couple
1: weeks now. Oh, awesome. And I think we we have these stairs that go up to one of the haylofts that is like right over the goat thing or the goat pen, I should say. Um, I think Tudors has been working on helping the cats out Mm -hmm. by chewing through some of the, um, I don't know if it was paper or what, but something that would like seal off the stairs and into the goat pen. So you couldn't see right through it. Well, now you can see right through it. So the cats know how to get into the goat pen so they can go outside. Yeah. Because the goats have their, you know, exit out to the outdoors to enjoy the sun when it's shining. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they stay inside all day. Um, and then you so have to now, clean the barn more often. <laughs> yeah. So now they um, are, well, I've seen Mr. Todd go outside a couple of times. I haven't seen Bustafer do it, but my suspicion is he's done it too. But Mr. Todd will scale the goat fence to jump over it. Oh. And and scale it back. So at least I know they have a good entrance and exit that works for them. Um, and they're pretty routine with their mealtime. So I, I'm hoping, because I just discovered that they've been doing this yesterday. So I'm hoping that it, you know. They'll know when to come back in before dark so they get their food and stay inside and be safe all night. So I'm a little nervous because I'm attached now, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it it had to happen sometimes or
0: sometime. So I was going to say, I'm starting to feel like this farming thing is kind of like being like the protective mother hen over everything and then trying to find the right moment when it's time to just like let them do their thing and see what happens.
1: Right. Right. That is basically it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to tell when that right moment is because you're going to feel guilty if you realize that it's not the right moment. But like Mm -hmm. if you've been consistent with feeding them at night and all of that, like they know when dinner time is their tummy rumbles and they're like, oh, time to go back.
1: Right, just like Hamlet knows what time it is for breakfast. <laughs> and he breakfast. screams
0: and lets us all know. <laughs> yes,
1: this morning he was kind enough to wait until 6.30. Usually it's 5.30. Mm. And I'm like extra sensitive to it when the kids are here because I don't want the kids waking up at 5.30.
0: Oh yeah, no, you want to let kids yeah. sleep for as long as they possibly can. Thanks for listening,
1: guys. Yeah, this is We Drink and We Farm Things, and I'm Sam. And I'm Bev. And make sure you check us out on Instagram at Drink and Farm, where you can keep up with us all week on drinking and farming things. And you can also use hashtag Drink and Farm to show us how you drink and farm safely. And we feature one to two of those a week. We'll drink, farm, and and give give zero zero clucks.
0: clucks. Bye, guys. Bye.